This is the current federal tax developments for the week of September 26, 2022. Current federal tax developments are brought to you by Kaplan Financial Education and by your state Society of CPAs. Medzollers coming to you this week again from Phoenix, Arizona. We're going to be talking about some things that happened in the current week related to federal taxes. Primarily, we're going to discuss this week two IRS news releases. And these news releases actually are a bit more information about, about items, either IRS releases we've discussed in prior weeks. So first we're gonna look at the IRS issued a reminder on the deadline rapidly approaching for taxpayers to obtain penalty relief, but they also made some modifications or at least disclosed some items that weren't exactly clear in the original notice. As well, the IRS published another news release, this time emphasizing the chief counsel advice we talked about last week regarding the treatment of taxpayers who applied for PPP loan forgiveness, but whom the IRS has determined didn't qualify for that forgiveness. And as we discussed last week, the IRS took the position that this was taxable income. What's interesting this week is they decided that it was appropriate to not just issue that chief counsel advice, but to go ahead and issue a news release that is likely to get broader coverage. So that was kind of an interesting step, and we'll talk a little bit about why the IRS may have done that. Well, let's go ahead and start with the first IRS news release. This is news release IR 2022-163. It was issued on September the 22nd, entitled Reminder, file 2019 and 2020 returns by September 30 to get COVID penalty relief. And this is the IRS issuing what presumably will be the final reminder notice regarding notice 2022-36 relief. And this, this relief is kind of interesting as to what exactly is involved in it. One thing that is interesting, we'll take a look at this, is part of what happens in this notice you'll see is that the commissioner actually defends the September 30 deadline. He mentions the fact that he recognizes why uh, members of the tax community are concerned about that deadline, but then he also mentions that regardless of that, we're going to go ahead and still deal with this little issue that we have here for our penalty relief. So if we take a look at what's on the IRS's website, you'll notice if we go to this news release that the IRS briefly reminds us of what we know. The deadline is rapidly approaching to get the wipeout of the failure to file penalties, uh, you know, basically for 2019 and 2020 returns. For returns to get full wipeout of those penalties, they must be filed no later than this coming Friday, September 30th, 2022. It also had a few other types of penalty relief in there, many of which are tied to the September date, some of which required items to already have been filed. So well, that obviously the things in that regard are a little different, but we'll talk about what's there. Now, we get a hint about part of the reason why this came out though, in the second paragraph of this news release. And you'll notice that it states there, besides providing relief to both individuals and businesses impacted by the pandemic, 
This step is designed to allow the IRS to focus its resources on processing backlog returns and taxpayer correspondence to help to return to normal operations for the 2023 filing season. I suspect the reason why the IRS is emphasizing this, and we'll find out for sure when we look at the commissioner's quote, is they aren't planning to give the relief requested by the AICPA or the National Association of Enrolled Agents regarding additional time to file these late filed returns, as well as the relief that may have been asked to open it up for 21 returns. I'd already told you, I doubted the 21 return relief would be opened up or if it ever would be, it would be after October 17th for the obvious reason they don't want people to just hold off. And one of the reasons they don't is what's mentioned here. The IRS is looking at this as a step to clear their backlog. And because of that, they don't want to encourage people to delay filing more. They, they put a one-month time period to get these returns filed, mainly to encourage people to get these returns in now rather than later, meaning the IRS would then be able to handle these processes and clear this out and hopefully have all of this taken care of prior to the beginning of the next tax processing season. Now, the commissioner in the third paragraph goes about justifying this, what he did, and the fact that he's going to at least give lip service to the fact they're not totally ignoring the concerns of the tax community. He said, we thought carefully about the type of penalties, the period covered, and the duration before granting this penalty relief. We understand the concerns being raised by the tax community and others about the September 30 penalty relief deadline. That's all well and good, but as we'll discover as we continue on with this quote, the IRS may understand the concerns, but they're not going to offer additional relief based on those concerns. And this is where the second part of the quote comes into play. Given the planning for the upcoming tax season and ongoing work on the inventory of tax returns filed earlier this year, this penalty relief deadline of September 30 strikes a balance. It is critical to us to not only provide important relief to those affected by the pandemic, but this deadline also allows adequate time to prepare our systems and our work streams to serve taxpayers and the tax community during the 2023 season. Implied by that is offering additional time to file these returns, either to November 30, as suggested by the National Association of Enrolled Agents, or December 31st, as suggested by the AICPA, would not serve that goal. It would have the IRS concentrate on processing these relief applications rather than being able to just start now working for getting ready for the 23 filing season. So we can take this as a strong hint that no, you're not likely this week to get a brand new set of relief items that says, oh yeah, we were just kidding about September 30. We'll go ahead and let you go to November 30th or December 31st. As such, I think you do have to realize if you have a taxpayer who has not filed for 19 or 20 and who you want to get the full relief, you want to make sure and get those returns taken care of. Now, it does note that the relief uh, is for the failure to file penalty. And that penalty is typically assessed at 5% per month of 25% of the paid tax uh, when a federal income tax return is filed late. And notes it applies to both the Form 1040 and 1120 series 
as well as the others that were listed in Notice 2022-36. Now that particular Notice 2022-36, it had a nice long list of returns, and you'll find it on the linked page, but included the 1040s, the 1041 series, 1120 series, 1066, 990PF, and 990Ts. Also some international forms, uh, failure to timely file a partnership rest corporation return in those issues, plus a few uh, periods of relief allowed for a failing to file information returns, right? So those were all part of that IRS notice, which you find linked in the guide or linked in this item to notice 2022-36 available on the webpage. Okay. Now, again, it tells us for anybody that's gotten behind on their taxes during the pandemic, this is a great chance to catch up. It does remind you about September 30, 2022. But there is one significant additional item here you should be aware of. And that item that we'll talk about here is we're going to discover that this does tell us something we didn't know initially. The announcement tells us that, in fact, the failure to file penalties are going to be zeroed out on 2019 and 2020 returns, essentially as of now. And on October 1st, we'll begin to start running the penalties again at 5% during that time frame. So the idea being that if taxpayers can get, the, even if they don't get the returns in on September 30, if they get them in shortly thereafter, they should be able to still obtain some penalty relief. And it says those who filed during the first few months after September 30 cutoff date will still qualify for partial relief. That's because for eligible returns filed after that date, the penalty starts accruing on October 1st, 2022, rather than the return's original due date. Because the penalty accrues based on each month or part of a month the return is late, filing sooner will limit any charges that apply. Now, the interesting part about this is it implies but never states that the date the next 5% would kick in would be on November 1st. And that is a question, you know, because normally this penalty ticks over on the 15th. And obviously, we're an extra month late as of the 15th of October compared to whatever the original date was. Was it April 15th of 2020, April 15th of 2021, or the extended due date if the returns were on extension? We kick over one extra month. I think, but cannot say for sure based on this part of the notice, that we should get all the way to the end of October to be able to file the late returns and only have the 5% rather than the 20, rather than a 10% penalty apply. That said, obviously it would be nice if the last half of October works because that would allow us to get these late returns filed after we've finished up with all the extension 1040s. Not sure that's the case, so be aware of that. It could tick over to 10% at that point. You know, it's just one of those things to think about. But this is something that, as I recall, was never mentioned in the original notice that we'd reset to zero. And it does suggest that while there's pressure to get stuff in by Friday, 
you're not talking, you know, you're only talking about one fifth of the failure to file penalty being assessed compared to what would ha- what we thought might be happening here, where on, you know, once we get to next Saturday, we'd be sitting there with a full 25% on these returns. So I guess that's good news. It also reiterates that the failure to pay penalty does not uh, count in this case, nor does it waive the interest rate. Um, failure to pay is just reemphasizing something a lot of professionals that ask for the IRS to please waive the failure to pay penalty. They don't plan to do that. They're going to do that still at half a percent per month. As well, they're reminding you that the interest rates at 5% per year compounded daily will arise to 6% per year compounded daily on October 1st of 2022. Now, that becomes more significant, especially with the daily compounding. You know, 19 returns have been late for a while, any payments due on them, and that could get very expensive. Let's say the longer that goes. So that one definitely would be something to get taken care of soon. It also discusses relief for filers of international returns um, and also says, but it will not apply if that is raised as part of an examination. So the issue being there, if the IRS caught it on exam, uh, let's say prior to September 30, they have caught it on exam, they're not going to waive that penalty at this point. That penalty, because exam raised it and you never voluntarily filed it, apparently doesn't matter that had the IRS just not caught you by September 30, you would have qualified for automatic penalty relief. Rather, you're going to have to go, as for the failure to pay penalty, attempting to come up with some reasonable cause discussion to attempt to get that out of there. The IRS in the news relief reminds us that penalty relief is automatic. Uh, you know, you don't need to apply for it. You don't need to attach a statement or other documents to the return. Uh, if you already paid the penalty, they claim that refunds have gone out, most of which will be out by the end of this week. So, you know, just keep your eye on that if there's some out there. It also talks about the limited cases where it won't be available. Uh, and also the fact it only covers penalties that are specifically covered. It also says flat out it does not apply to 2021 returns. As I say, that's not at all surprising. Uh, I was kind of suspecting that, in fact, we weren't going to be seeing 21 returns get that level of relief. That's just not going to be part of it. So as I said, the practical matter is that we're not going to be seeing uh, international penalty relief if it's raised on exam as well. For that case, you also apparently need to get that return in by this Friday because nothing in here says that we're simply going to grant any sort of partial relief if you're a day or two late on that, because that doesn't run on a per month basis. It's not really a restart structure. It's either there or it's not. And you filed on time or you didn't. So that creates a whole nother situation there. So takeaway from this, pretty sure the IRS is not going to be granting that additional relief that the AICPA and NAEA asked for. It's always possible they might come to a different conclusion. It's possible they might revisit it once they've started. The next filing season, they might revisit the issue uh, to see if they decide to clean up some more items for you know, being still behind the eight ball in terms of processing documents.
but I wouldn't hold my breath expecting to see that sort of relief. Certainly, I doubt the IRS is going to want to um, reward people who miss this September 30 date. If they offered any sort of relief after September 30, my guess is it will be partial. Uh, the IRS does not like when they open up programs like this to say, oh yeah, we, we said you get out of penalties, everything, if you do it by September 30, and that you're going to owe them afterwards, so please get them filed. But ah, okay, now we decided to do it by March 31st. IRS believes, probably correctly, that if you do that too many times, people decide you don't really mean any of your drop-dead dates for penalty relief. So even if they were to go back and offer some additional relief, don't be surprised if it's only a partial waiver going forward rather than a full waiver. Now, the other interesting one was the IRS decided to advise that improperly forgiven Paycheck Protection Program loans are taxable. They did a news release on this on the 21st of September. This is IRS News Release 2022-162. And it specifically references Chief Counsel Advice 2022-37010. Now, that Chief Counsel Advice, if you remember it, we discussed that one last week. And what that Chief Counsel Advice does, as we get back to there, that was the one discussing improperly forgiven PPP loans. And as you remember, the IRS determined if you do not, if a taxpayer does not factually satisfy the conditions for qualifying forgiveness, causes its lender to forgive the loan by inaccurately representing the taxpayer satisfies them, the taxpayer may not exclude the amount of the forgiven loan from gross income. Now, this original memo, as we said, you know, because it was a chief counsel advice, it was internal. It is interesting that a cop, it's addressed primarily to uh, National Fraud Chief Counsel Carolyn Schnee, Schenk, hopefully I pronounced Carolyn's name, I apologize if I didn't, you know, and also Senior Counsel for the Small Business Self-Employed of Area 7. Now, this gets more interesting because I think this is the IRS being used, as I mentioned last week, as a way to attempt to uh, help the SBA police this particular item. It's also interesting that this memo was issued internally on August 19th, and it made it out within less than a month, cleared out whatever they needed to do. I don't believe there's actually any part of this redacted. So the IRS appears to be wanting to push this to the front. In essence, it was not accidental that this came out last week. And if you thought it was, well, the IRS now has issued their particular uh, news relief on this. As I said, this came out the 21st. It tells us that the guidance, as we mentioned, confirms when a taxpayer's loan is forgiven based on misrepresentations or omissions, the taxpayer is not eligible to exclude the forgiveness from income and must include the in income the portion of the loan proceeds that were forgiven based on misrepresentations or omissions. Taxpayers who appropriately receive forgiveness PP loans are encouraged to take steps to come into compliance by, for example, filing amended return that include the forgiven loan proceed amounts in income. I don't know how many of those voluntary payoffs we're going to have. Oh, yeah, I committed bank fraud, but here I'm going to go ahead and make sure my taxes are fine. Because that's kind of what you're saying in that case, but okay. Now, the commissioner, as always, the third paragraph of these news releases tend to be a statement from the commissioner. That's usually what they like to do. And this one is interesting because of the implications of the statement. 
It tells us this action underscores that the Internal Revenue Service's commitments to ensuring all taxpayers are paying their fair share of taxes. Okay, that's fairly generic IRS concern. We want to make sure those who are abusing such programs are held accountable, and we'll be considering all available treatment and penalty streams to address the abuses. Now, those two sentences are interesting, right? You know, okay, they're going to assess taxes, but now they talk about those abusing programs are held accountable and be considering all available treatment and penalty streams. Now, that may imply that that is going to be a potential referral to the Department of Justice or the SBA, right, at this point. Now, as I said, the emphasis of this is pretty clearly on dealing with, right, the abuses in the program. So they're telling you, you know, we realize people are abusing these programs. We're not going to let you get the tax benefits that are promised in the program if you do that. So presumably you will get to deduct any expenses you supposedly paid with the loan. Though in many of these cases, there were no deductible expenses paid with the loan. So there's no deduction side. There's just going to be a pickup of income side. So that will be part of what we're looking at in this structure. Now, they, they do recognize that many of those who received these payments were eligible. They used them properly. However, the IRS has discovered that some recipients who received loan forgiveness did not meet one or more eligibility conditions. These recipients received forgiveness of their PPP loans through misrepresentation or omission and either did not qualify to receive a PPP loan or misuse the loan proceeds. So what the IRS is saying is they have become aware of the fact that in their exams, they've run into taxpayers who are not qualified for the PPP loan program. Now, this may have something to do with what was reported to be a program the IRS was running, a test program on examining employee retention credit claims. My guess is if taxpayers were, let's say, cheating on being eligible for the employee retention credit, they probably also cheated on being eligible for the PPP loan proceeds. And these may be, and I suspect in these cases, it may be extreme where they're discovering, because again, they're, they're kind of focusing on taxpayers who appeared to not make sense. I'm going to assume for their test programs to see what's there. The, um, the news relief you know, then outlines the basic terms of the program as to what they're going to do, what it was meant to do, uh, and that they were extended uh, by the Economic Aid to Hard-Hit Small Businesses, Nonprofits, and Venues Act. That was all part of the Comprehensive Appropriations Act of 2020, you may remember, that gave us the second draw PPP loan program and those backgrounds. They remind us of what's necessary for full forgiveness under PPP loans. Right? First, the loan recipient is eligible to receive the loan. They're a small business concern, independent contractor, eligible self-employed individual, sole proprietor, business concern, or a certain type of tax exempt entity. They were in business on or before February 15, 2020, and they had employees or independent contractors who were paid for their services, or was a self-employed individual, sole proprietor, independent contractor. The loan proceeds received in order to get full forgiveness had to be used to pay eligible expenses, such as payroll costs, rent, interest on the business, mortgages, utilities. You may remember 
in the late 2020 law. We also had added other types of qualifying expenses into that mix. And then finally, they had to apply for loan forgiveness. Well, I suspect everybody the IRS is talking about here obviously required did apply for it. But they note the loan forgiveness application required a loan recipient to attest to its eligibility, verify certain financial informations, and meet other legal qualifications. So essentially, the IRS is going to go after that final document, saying because in order to get forgiveness, you had to misrepresent. If you weren't eligible, you're misrepresenting because you had to represent again you were eligible for the program. If you didn't actually, the financial information on there is wrong, right? Or you you didn't you know you didn't use so you didn't use the loan proceeds to pay for qualifying expenses or the expenses in question were not qualifying. Then then you are stuck with this for a while, so we have a little bit of an issue to deal with there, as we're stuck with that particular side of the equation, as we do it. So we have a little bit of an issue to work with on that. And then finally, right? You know we're talking about the issue that we're doing it. If those three conditions are met, you are deemed to be eligible for your PPP loan forgiveness. Otherwise, tough luck, right? We're stuck in that realm. So that's interesting. It is interesting at the very end of the page, the IRS refers to, uh, in this case, you know, the IRS, I should say, I'll get this right. At the end of the web page, they refer to form 3949A, information referral. Presumably, that's because what they're doing is they're going to be uh, asking people to turn taxpayers in. They actually tell you how to turn somebody in for doing this, how it'll be taken care of, and what's going to happen. As I note, to me, it seems very likely that presumably these issues could be deferred, or could be referred, I should say, to Department of Justice and the Small Business Administration for other actions to be taken place. So this is something that we'll want to keep our eyes on. Does this result in referrals? The other part of this is, does it also mean that we're going to be seeing taxpayers, um, you know, we're going to be seeing this as part of the ERC exam program? You know, there has been a lot of discussion that the ERC, uh, certainly we've seen a lot more noise recently raised about ERC fraud. Uh, I know there was an article in Tax Notes this week. I was quoted for part of it relating to the uh, what, things you may have heard on the radios even, you know, where we see all these people telling us that, oh, yes, your taxpayer should do this. You can qualify for $26,000 per employee, suggesting that every business meets the criteria. So might be part of that, too. I wouldn't be surprised to see a follow-up on dealing with ERC issues where the IRS suggests people uh, amend maybe their 941s to come in from the cold on that program. Well, this has been the Current Federal Tax Developments for the week of September the 26th, 2022. Current Federal Tax Developments are brought to you by Kaplan Financial Education. If you have any questions, you can email me, edzollers at currentfelltaxdevelopments.com. I'll be available, you know, I will try to answer questions there if you have a quick one. Also, I do follow the Connect sites for the Arizona Society of CPAs, the New Jersey Society of CPAs, Minnesota, Illinois, Washington, plus I watch on the uh, discussion groups on the Idaho Society if you post there. So if you post questions there, I'll see about answering them. Otherwise, we are now in the week when trust returns are finally due. Calendar your trust and estate returns are due this week, right? 
September 30th and getting ready to head into that very final push for the individual return. So hopefully things are going well in your practice. Hopefully you guys are looking forward to, I guess, what we call the end of tax season. And by the way, it's kind of interesting, but you do realize that this is our first normal tax season with the original due date back in April, and we're finishing up right here in October that we've had for a while, although I think a lot of us has had due to state law changes, um, be it, you know, the many more states had passed renty taxes this year, and for those of us here in Arizona, the small business income tax, the states may have made this tax season kind of weird, but the federal side was relatively calm this year. So we'll hope for the best going forward. But as I said, have a good week, and we'll see you back here next week for more current federal tax developments.